and welcome back to Real Clear with Dr. Klein, the crossroads of politics and psychology. If you would like to listen to ad-free episodes and have access to daily and weekly releases, essays, and other membership perks, and you also want to help in the production of this program, go to realclearpodcast.com and click subscribe. There are a lot of places in this world where you can put your money, and so I thank you for considering membership to realclearpodcast.com. I hope you enjoy this next episode. Welcome back to Thinking Kind with Lucas Klein. I'm your host. This is the eighth episode of Thinking Kind, entitled Burning Witches, America's New Religion. Many seem to be under the impression in recent decades that religious practice and dogma is decreasing in America and that we are becoming more secular. This is a questionable idea, in my opinion, and there is plenty of contrary evidence, especially in recent years. We have not become less religious. In my view, we have simply displaced and shifted our religious impulses. Look at the amount of self-help gurus, self-anointed spiritual leaders in the form of audiobooks regarding lifestyles, YouTube clips of fitness gurus, meditation gurus. We are also now consuming more spirituality products, as I might call them, than ever. Just because we are not gathering in steepled churches, as in times past, we are praying to self-improvement sources. A classical example might be Tony Robbins, or something like that. And in recent months, in 2021, I have begun noticing that corporations are now advertising in religious form. They have intuited that, say, for an example, the social justice movements have become a form of value, canon, and perhaps religion. Take a look at the new Target commercials. Their slogan is now, What we value most shouldn't cost more, as they present what seem to be specially selected casts. My reaction is, wait a second. The very economic model that allows Target to exist functions solely on the value-to-cost ratio of products. These are the most laughable commercials in modern history. They are banking, quite literally, on the probability that we are all so religiously inclined that we will swallow such idiocy. In a free market, what the populace values most is exactly what will be more expensive. Target is asking you to believe that gold should cost the same as dog food, that diamonds and diapers are indistinguishable. To make matters more insidious, Corporations are now exploiting the social justice movements by asking you to join company A in fighting X or help us promote blank movement. You are asked to believe that purchasing a product from certain companies is helping promote something of essentially religious value. This is a corporate tithing approach. It is a grifting strategy from medieval methods. And true to Thinking Kind podcast form, I'm going to indict both sides. If you scan through talk radio stations, you will find that certain advertisers focus on every talk radio station. Miracle pills for pain, special pillows, and precious metals are three categories that for some reason have been identified by the corporate world that land in right-leaning audiences. They consume them rapaciously. The media, or the message, I should say, seems to broadly be, you're getting a secret here that the rest of the world does not know about yet, 
and here's your secret code. This is no criticism of humanity, by the way. The religious impulse is endemic to being human. What is a religious impulse? Well, in my view, it is a striving to perceive oneself as embedded in a larger context than simply one's own existence. It is a striving to expand the horizons of existence in hopes that there could be some kind of answer as to why we are suffering here in the ways that we do suffer. So much of our modern political and religious figures, I should say, are in the form of self-help, self-help gurus. They sell fantasies that there is a way to avoid the trappings of being human and all of the suffering that inevitably befalls us. The old religious argument was that while things are really crappy here right now, there's a life afterwards that we are paying for the privilege to enter. And the 10% tithe for the luxury of making it into an eternal sublimity? Well worth it. And what of our political figures? How have our public discourses regarding the character types of our political figures and representatives been reflective of a religious striving? That is, is our religious life displaced onto our politics? I think we'd all say yes, but just how? In medieval European times, they solved the obvious problem of having competing power structures, religious and political, by merging the two eventually, say in the Anglican Church, where the King of England became essentially the representative of God and a competitor with the Pope. The King and God were the same, you were made to believe. We tried to solve this problem in America with a separation of church and state as one of our founding principles. Yet if you read Tocqueville, Locke, Burke, and others, they had had observed and reasoned that the formal preservation of religion was essentially, uh, essentially something we needed to have a functional democracy. I will not go into the details of their writings here, but one extension of their positions that I take is that formal religion has provided a centralizing focus for the religious impulse in people. And this is necessary in order to contain primitive and tribal elements within any populace. G.K. Chesterton, the British author, would say something like the following, We do not promise not to kill each other because it is immoral to do so. We promise not to kill each other on sacred ground that religious has religion has determined. Something has happened in recent decades where classical or formal religion has receded. In fact, if I remember these statistics correctly, only 30% of Americans have an attachment to a religious institution of any kind. In other words, we don't go to church much anymore. But what has this done to the religious impulse? It is rather silly to think that the religious impulse receded just because behavior changed. So many popular culture commentators present the absurd and yet understandably superficial analysis that spirituality and religion are on the decline because we are becoming more secular. This is not so, and I'm here to tell you just how. Can you think of a time in American history when we demanded that our politicians be pure? Our politicians are now reviewed in some sort of purification process through public excoriation that no prior political class would have passed. We find dirt under the fingernails 
and then we all become outraged, as though we have found the newest witch, which we intend to burn on Facebook and Twitter. Someone has done drugs earlier in their lives. Someone had an affair. Someone said things that were uncouth or even offensive. Well, those things may be true, and perhaps we're right to focus on them in some way. But it's also true that JFK had orgies in the White House. He would not have lasted two months in the current political cycles. The point here is that we have a religious striving that is not being met, and we are searching to lodge it somewhere, to centralize it somewhere, to house it properly. Right now, our politics is an unfortunate target area for our religious needs, and we are searching for spiritual leaders with many in our politics and in popular culture, claiming to be the returning Messiah, possessing the truth, seeing through the clouds where the rest of us are trapped by our commonality. And us commoners are searching perhaps with the tools of the panopticon of cell phones and videos and Snapchats and social media statements to zero in on heretics that we can burn with such tools and Perhaps we experience ourselves as pleasing some sort of God that might exist in the cosmos for doing so. It's as if we're saying, look, I've identified the bad person in your name and will now proceed to burn him. And how has this topic been related to previous episodes in my podcast? Well, considering the current conflict around Enlightenment era reasoning, we have quite an issue. There has been a movement to reverse the Enlightenment, the gifts of empiricism and scientific inquiry. The Enlightenment was a collection of people who saw, or somehow saw fit to, manifest together prolific works in an effort to counteract as best as they could uh, the religious functioning inherent in people through rational and empirical tools. We are driven by our instinctual nature to engage in tribal exclusion persecution, and executions. Scientific scrutiny, the scientific method, empirical epistemology, is meant to help us curtail these natural human vulnerabilities. We now have extreme sides of our society exclaiming with righteous indignation that there are such things as alternative facts, something the far right has proffered. And the far left matches them, in a way, now saying that Enlightenment-era gifts to humanity such as quantitative reasoning and empirical sciences, are signs of whiteness. Both of these positions reflect a reversion back to a religious movement, where focusing on evidence as best as one can, flawed as such an effort may be, is the best that we have in fighting against our tribal tendencies. According to Pew Research, classically religious Americans are less likely to believe intelligent life exists on other planets. My rejoinder is, of course, I'm not surprised, and non-religious Americans, in the classical sense, are unlikely to believe that intelligent life exists on this planet, except to the extent that they believe their own convictions are evidence of divine commune, regardless of contrary evidence in the actual world. Get this, nearly an identical amount of non-religious Americans believe in spiritual beliefs to the same degree as self-identified Christians. Roughly 61-62% to 62% of both Christian Americans and non-Christian Americans 
believe in things like spiritual energy located in physical things like crystals, reincarnation, and astrology. It is true, I should say, that people who reject the notion of religion and spirituality altogether are less inclined to believe in these New Age religious displacements, as I'm calling them. But it is so compelling that there are a large proportion of people who essentially believe in a new form of religion which is broadly called unaffiliated. This is survey data that supports my hypothesis, which is that we have not in any way reduced religious strivings. Rather, we have simply placed them in other forms and other experiences. I do not believe that it is even possible to reduce religious impulses without parting in some way from something that is deeply embedded in human being. This comes as a distasteful statement to atheists, and some may experience what I said there as some sort of coercion to be religious. If that is your reaction, you have misunderstood me. I myself am not dog dogmatically or classically religious. I simply view the religious impulse as something that is unavoidably a part of my inheritance of the human condition, developed over hundreds of thousands of years. I cannot simply decide to be rid of it. In fact, human enlightenment strategies like the scientific method, formal philosophies, etc., help us combat the natural disposition of heuristic certainty that comes with being a sentient animal. And just what might be the danger of having our religious impulses dispersed in a non-centralized way through our communities? I am suggesting to you here that the cost is borne out in the sacrifices of our rationality. In order to demonstrate the point, please listen to the following short clip from one of the all-time greatest comedies, Monty Python, In Search of the Holy Grail. In this scene, villagers are bringing a woman who they have identified as a witch to the wise leader of the village, and he walks them through his excellent scientific method on identifying the witch. Can you not also make bridges out of stone? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah cool. uh, uh, does a wood sink in water? No, no. no it floats. It floats over into the pond. <laughs> what also floats in water? Bread. Apples. Uh, very small rocks. Cider. A great gravy. Cherries. Mud. A churches. Churches. Lead. Lead. A duck. Exactly. So, logically, if she weighs the same as a duck, she's made of wood. And therefore... A witch! A witch! 
we shall use my larger scales. <laughs> so, do we not have an almost direct parallel in our current politics? There have been claims of witch hunts in recent years, quite literally with those words. And there does seem to be a political hunting game that ensues when any candidate is elected. And why would we not seek to prosecute and persecute our so-called opponents when we are under the illusion that we are being righteous and even connected with God, so to speak? What methods could possibly be immoral in a politics that we believe is synonymous with cosmic purpose? As I have been saying over several episodes so far, the only way out of this problem is getting ourselves and others to focus on observable evidence. Some have given me the feedback so far that I tend to sound like I am suggesting that people can look at evidence in a pure way. I believe I have been rather clear if you have been listening closely to the episodes, but if I have not, let me make myself utterly clear right here. The purpose of empirical investigations is precisely because we do not have a direct connection with anything resembling truth. Falsification, quantitative methods, and empirical scrutiny of data about behaviors is the only way to effectively publicly administrate and to hold public discourse. And it is really a problem that we have right and left-wing religious fervor that fights against those most sound methods. We now mainly seem to be focused on what the thoughts and feelings are of our opponents. While these things matter in terms of intimate engagements between people, my position is that when it comes to the broad human relations in our civics and society, only behaviors matter. This is a non-religious way of saying, I do not care what is in my neighbor's heart when it comes to running the town. I only care that he follows the laws that we have agreed upon. I believe, it, believe that is, that if we could step off of the merry-go-round of continuously trying to identify badness inside other people and focus more exclusively on whether people tend to act civilly, act civilly, and what their behaviors actually are, not what their inner thoughts might be, according to our conjectures and theories, critical and otherwise, then we will be on the right path. Well, that's my piece. What do you think? Feel free to message me if you are a subscriber through Patreon or Locals. Next week, I will have on my first guest for an exciting discussion about the illusions of division in American culture and what to do about it. Thanks so much for listening, and take good care. Bye for now.